Welcome back to Mom Nation Unscripted. Now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I am Kelly with Olardi, and it is our mission to get toxin-free products into every home and more money into more people's pockets. Eight years ago, we were moms who couldn't stop sharing education on real food, gut health, and fermenting. Over the years, we started paying attention to not only what we put in our bodies, but also what we put on our bodies. Now, as movement makers, we are on a mission to show you how you and your family can live a toxin-free lifestyle. Follow us on Instagram at kelly.liston and at Tamara Manley, and email us at olardyblog at gmail.com to connect. Hey, Mom Nation. We are back with another episode of Mom Nation Unscripted. And I always announce the episode, like what number it is and what season we're on. And I'm just going to totally put you guys on the spot. So what season are we on, guys? What episode? Do you know? Season three. I know we're season three, but I don't know what episode. <laughs> I think it's we're actually season four, episode oh, it five. Is. You're right. It is. What I'm, well, I'm thinking of how, like, when from when we started to in my head, it's been see three seasons. But you're right. Yeah. Don't put me yeah. on the spot, Katie. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, stop doing that shit, girl. Um. <laughs> anyway, I think it's so funny because you know I'm little Miss Announcey about what season and episode we're on because I'm all proud. So I was just you know trying to see if you guys are paying attention. It's all right. Jesus. <laughs> right. I haven't had so... enough coffee for that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> So Sherry and Jenny, how's it going? Good. Long time no see. I yeah. Know, it's been a minute. What yeah. did you guys do over the weekend? I bet I know. <laughs> I hung out with both of you lovely ladies, thankfully. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was absolutely, you know, it was an awesome weekend. Like I started Monday with just a little extra pep in my step. I had a great weekend. Same here. I think it's a little bit funny. Like you guys tell me, so Sherry, you were in Arizona long enough that you'll know the answer to this. So it's November something today and it's like 90 degrees out there. Right. What's going on? Yeah. I feel like it, it is usually kind of right around fall breakish. It seems like that's when I start telling my kids, okay, time to transition to jeans for school. This year they're still like, mom, really? It's shorts like I in my head I'm like no you're gonna get cold you need to dress warmer and they're like mom it's so hot we're dying <laughs> in school what the heck yeah yeah same I put shorts on my kid this morning and he's like "Ooh, thanks mom it's been sweaty I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I had him in like a sweatshirt and a winter jacket the other morning he's like okay <laughs> yeah Max, my, kid, my kids were trying to he Sorry. did he was like, Max told me yesterday, sorry, Sherry. He was saying that he's like, I haven't been cold at all yet this year. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm wearing like a hoodie every day because I'm freezing. That's how, that's how wimpy I am about it. Exactly. <laughs> well, today I see you have a tank top on and rightfully so, because yeah. I just went for a walk and it's like 1 billion out there. Yeah, it is really hard to get. But we did have a fun weekend. So Saturday night, I went to Top Golf, and it was my first time swinging a golf club. Like I think I might have done it before, you know, mini golf or something like that. Um, but it really was my first time playing, and we played like four rounds. It was just a couple of us, little social distance party, right? And it was so fun. Like I didn't realize how fun it is to drive a ball into the great nothing. 
It is fun. And what's fun is that you don't need to be a golfer to enjoy it. So you can get out there and suck, but you have your little targets that you're aiming for. So, you know, you don't need to be a, a great golfer to, to have fun. Well, I no. totally kicked ass. There <laughs> <laughs> like, that's funny. Was fun. We used to do our team builders there and we used to have so much fun. Remember? I do remember. I do remember. Oh, I remember I took my cool. team there once and it was, um, it was a really good time. I feel like it's, it's kind of like a stress reliever. You know what I mean? You're just like, like just hit something as hard <laughs> as you can. Like that's the yes. goal, right? Like hit this ball as hard as you can. That is, that makes me feel like I'm relieving some kind of stress. <laughs> Maybe that'll come up in today's conversation as well. Yeah. Possibly. I was just going to say, pretty good transition to today's topic. <laughs> Gloria, you're, you're just good like that. You've been on this a time or two before. You're like, I'm a, I'm a pro, dude. I'm a pro. Well, I just constantly talk about stress and anxiety and, and making sure that we're calm and finding way, more ways to do that. So that's pretty much my only vocabulary lately. So tell us, <laughs> so tell us for those of, of us that don't know, because, I mean, clearly the four of us know each other well. But for those of us who don't know, Laura, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Laura and um, I own Beneviri Counseling. So I'm a licensed associate counselor. Um, I'm not a doctor. Katie likes to call me Dr. Laura sometimes. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, just a counselor. And um, I work with kids and moms and uh, that's pretty much it. I, I am selective in my practice. I have a pretty small practice. So I I work with teens and kids, and then um, I work with moms who are just going through it, right? Just like the rest of us. We're all normal people with normal problems. And, um, and so I get to help people kind of figure out how to navigate in this crazy world that we live in right now. Which I love. And I feel like a lot of your life experience, probably, and you correct me, like plays into what you do now. And maybe, am I right? Some of the things that you maybe have gone through through life kind of make you a little bit more, um, not that you wouldn't want to help everybody, but like a, a mom is a, a mom is a really good client for you because of yeah. the things that you've done throughout your lifetime and gone through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's really why I got started. I mean, I originally wanted to start working with teens because I, you know, as a teen myself, I struggled a lot and um, I went through some tough times and really crazy stuff, you know, and um, I really wanted to help others because I realized after 20 years of therapy, you know, I realized, gosh, this would have been really helpful if I maybe addressed some of these issues before I piled on 20 years of baggage, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, a, an interesting transition for me to start going back to the front end, right? Like, let's get preventative. Let's start from the beginning. And then as a mom, right? I'm a single mom of three teenagers. They're 13, 15, and 17 now. So this, um, this life is pretty insane and it's really stressful and there's a lot on my plate and I can only imagine moms going through, you know, this pandemic with young, young kids working, raising your kids, homeschooling your kids, which PS, I am not a qualified homeschool teacher. I got to tell you right now, my, um, if you look at like my test scores, like I'm not an A plus school. Like, I'm just going to be honest right now. It's not, I'm not there. <laughs> You're not ranking. Uh, You're I'm not ranking, ranking in this <laughs> as an A plus school, 
but yeah, you know, I just, I know how hard it is to raise young kids, especially by yourself. And so I work with a lot of moms who are going through that kind of thing too. And I think, um, you know, when I was really, really a young mom and I didn't know what I was doing, I thought every single thing that I did was going to have these lasting, permanent, scarring consequences on my kids. And I was so afraid of that, you know, knowing that I didn't have my stuff together and that I was impacting them. And then I, you know, over the years in school and my own work, I realized that's just not true. There's always time to redo it. There's always time to repair. And so that's my favorite part about working with moms is offering that sense of peace. Like, Hey, by the way, you didn't permanently mess them up. Like, let's go ahead and just, we can start today. It's okay. What's what's ever happened in the past is okay. We can start that repair right now. And that's, that's my favorite thing. That was the best thing I ever learned really. Was the, that what you just said just was really relieving to me. Anybody else? Right? Like you can always, there's some Buddha quote like that. There (laughs) is, there's a Buddha quote like that, that says, you know, something like just breathe, you can begin again or something like that. Yes. And it's true. That's the truth. The past is over. The history is over, you know, the, their memories now. And they're not still happening and we can stop now and start something different. Not even just today, but in every single minute. Like people say one day at a time or it'll be better tomorrow. I literally, sometimes ladies, it's one minute at a time. Like one minute at a time. And you can always make that change. You can always choose to do it differently. And the repairs with kids are so powerful. They're so much more powerful than the... um, you know, than the rifts, than the, than the breaks, right? We, we mess something up and we think, oh, oh my gosh, you know, like I've just damaged them. But it's like, all we really have to do is go back and say, hey, you know what? That was my bad. I was distracted and I was stressed out and I, I reacted, you know, too much. I overreacted in that situation and I didn't mean to do that. So then the kid's like, oh, okay, great. So you think that I'm a human being with feelings. That's all I really needed to know, right? That's mm-hmm. all they really want to know. They want to know that we're, that they have value as a person and that we care about their feelings and they're separate from us and we acknowledge them as humans. And so we can just do that. And then it turns out they're fine. We move on. I love what that teaches them also. Because think about like putting myself back in teenage years. It's almost, I just almost got really overwhelmed, right? Like all of those feelings. Uh, Yeah. Like think about being a teenager and not feeling like it and feeling like you can fail. Yeah. Like not that you're trying, right? Sure. Right. <laughs> but, but you can fail because it's cool because you know what? Sometimes my mom fails mm-hmm. and she just owns it. And we have better communication after that, or, you know, it, it enhances our relationship. Yeah, for sure. Think about trust in relationships, right? Think about our husbands and our wives. Like, when we communicate with them in that way. That's really all we're looking for. Can you imagine if your spouse came to you and said, you know what? I was really stressed out about work today and I feel like I didn't, I wasn't really attuning to you and I wasn't really there for you. And that's my fault. And I want you to know that I am here for you. So now here's the space that we can talk about what you're going through. I'd be like, okay, gosh, you know, thank you so much. Like that's, that's really all anybody wants. That's it. Well, and I think also when you go to your children and you say, hey, I messed up, like you're the parental authoritative figure. So that does even more than anyone else saying that to them. Um, 
you know, they look up to you, like Katie said. So if you can be that person to say, hey, I messed up and that wasn't right and don't allow people to talk to you like that, I shouldn't have either. Like that's huge. Yes. Um, and it shows them that, hey, that wasn't acceptable, whether it's my mom or whoever. And now it's teaching them their own boundaries. Oh, That's exactly sure. what I was going to say. You're empowering them with the ability to say, hey, I was wrong. You know, I, I am, I'm sorry. And how, um, if you can teach that and instill that in them now as a teen, imagine how much better their relationships are going to be growing up. Oh, for sure. The ability to just come to, to come to somebody as an imperfect person and be like, look, you know, I made a mistake and that's okay. And I'm okay. And you're okay. And we can keep moving forward. Um, I think sometimes we have this fear. I know even kids today, there's so much content and pressure to be perfect all the time. Right. Like hello filters. What is like, that's not right. Like it's this perfect image all the time and it's impossible to achieve those standards. And so to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not perfect. That's okay. And I'm still mm -hmm. valuable. That means something I think to kids today. It does. I mean, think about, I can think five people off the top of my head that are like between the ages of 50 and 75 that can't say sorry, no oh, matter what, oh. don't say sorry. They can't do it. Like, where does that come from? I just pride, you know, ego, it's fear. It's fear driven. It's a fear driven response to not say sorry right? It's, a, it's about a fear of not being perceived as somehow, you know, uh, uh, stellar or better or perfect or whatever, right? I mean, to just own who you are and let people see you, to see, to be seen as your authentic self is scary. It's a scary yeah. thing to do. Well, it's, it's very vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So vulnerability creates what? Strength. I'm going down a hole. I don't have, I don't, I'm not certified to go down. <laughs> I'll take you there. We'll go there. We'll go there. It's fine. <laughs> what is Why is vulnerability so scary? Because just like you said, like with the ones that can't say sorry, it's just kind of like a breaking down of that, that facade that they're putting up. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's uncomfortable. I think it's, oh, I don't like this feeling of not having been right. I don't like this feeling of potentially letting a loved one down. Um, I don't like this feeling of somebody judging me or mm -hmm. potentially um, making a judgment about me that doesn't represent my true self, right? We want to be seen for our truth and we want to be understood. And so sometimes when we make a mistake, it's hard to own that because that's not necessarily representative of my character, right? That behavior is not representative of my character. And so if I ignore it and pretend it didn't happen and not acknowledge it, then maybe it'll just, it'll just go away. I won't have to feel those feelings of uncomfortable sort of, ooh, I, I mean, I, I almost, there's no words to describe that feeling except for that like, ooh. That's all I can think of is that sound is how I feel when I'm uncomfortable. People don't like to feel uncomfortable. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot different, I think, than, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't really the option to be comfortable. But I think now, because we have so many choices and so much content that is designed to please us in some way, that we live in these worlds that are constantly validating our own thoughts and feelings. And 
not forcing us to really acknowledge things that we don't like mm. and experience things that we don't agree with or enjoy. And that really doesn't do us, we're not doing ourselves any favors by avoiding those uncomfortable moments. Totally 100% agree with that. And we've had this conversation before, but I'm going to bring it up again because I feel like it's the right place to do so. We have discussed that no matter what you've been through, whether you had, you know, your life was all butterflies and puppies, or if you grew up really hard, it's important for everybody to have somebody to talk to. So like somebody like you, or, you know, maybe it's not, it doesn't have to be an every week thing, but somebody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to just be able to share and kind of process through that stuff. A lot of times when we sit with our counselors and, you know, when I sit with my clients, I'm just asking questions like, so what was that like for you? You know, what did, what, how did that feel? Well, that felt crappy or that felt, um, it felt empowering. Notice that, right? So a lot of the work is just, hey, notice that. You felt empowered. You felt it was hard. Did you get through it? Yes. Notice that, right? So a lot of it is really just seeing yourself and learning how to see yourself. That's really a lot of the work that I do with my clients. And I have clients who come every three weeks. I have clients who've come twice a week, right? It just, it just depends on where you're at and what you need. And, um, you know, everybody deserves to be seen and to be felt in their own, um, within their own truth, right? Like in their authentic self. And sometimes it's not a safe space to do that when you're at home. Sometimes it's not a safe space, but whether you're a kid or you're an adult, it's not always a safe space to be authentic. And so it's important to have that safe space. I totally agree with that. Um, so our topic for today, just another transition right into it. Um, so we're coming up on the holiday season mm -hmm. and I have heard, seen, you know, I've lived a lot of life. I'm but I'm not going to tell you. Um, I've lived a lot of life. <laughs> and so year after year after year, I've noticed that the holiday season really, it brings a lot of cheer and togetherness and well, maybe not so much this year, but you know what I'm saying? But it also brings a lot of heartache and a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger for people. Yeah. And and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I feel like, and maybe there's there's more that you've experienced and worked with that you can share with us. But I feel like there's kind of like four ish reasons maybe, you know, that people tend to get anxious during this time of year. Mm -hmm. And um, one of them is, you know, the, the desire or maybe the attraction or whatever um, to overindulge in, you know, yummy sweets and super fattening foods that you might not normally, <clears throat> excuse me, eat on a regular um, and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like there are just so many um, like times where there's, you know, parties again, 2020, a little bit different, but parties and get togethers and all of that where this food is being served and there's cookies all the time and there's cake all the time. And I really feel like a lot of people get very anxious about that. Ladies, how about you? In your, in your history growing up, have you struggled with either of those? I certainly have. Mm -hmm. I think for me, being a mom with three kids, the anxiety comes from 
having to have a perfect presentation, a perfect house, these perfect kids that don't fight, you know, they look perfect. I think it's, for me, it's more of that, um, you know, and just setting up that, ex- if we're having a gathering, if we're having people here, or even if we're going somewhere else, like, again, not 2020, but I want my kids to be perfect and not fight and not bicker and we're a happy family, but that's, is that real life? No, not all the time. So that's where my anxiety comes from. Or if I'm doing the hosting, then obviously like I want everything to be perfect, done right, look great, taste great, whatever. Yeah, I I can definitely relate. And, you know, through the holiday season and we have both Christmas and Hanukkah that we celebrate, um, you know, so we have our own family gatherings, but then on top of that, there's, you know, work parties, friend parties, you're going to these places and it's, you know, it, it can, a lot of years, it's every Friday and Saturday for about six weeks straight with alcohol and overeating and fattening foods. And yeah. so by the end of that, you're feeling exhausted and run down and your, your immune system is down. So you're coming down with colds and, um, and it's hard to resist. You're at those places, you're, you're wanting to have fun and you don't want to be like, no, I don't want your food. Thank you. So, you know, somebody hands you the cookie and you take the cookie, which is fine one night, but when it's like every weekend, weekend after weekend, it, it adds up and it starts to weigh, weigh you down. Yeah, for sure. And especially you know, I think about um, what all of it, I mean, all of it kind of combined, right? When we have, maybe we don't have the best relationship with foods. Maybe we don't have the best relationship with our bodies. Maybe we are going through a lot or our kids are going through a lot. And um, it's that pressure to handle everything with so much grace and to just, as if like, oh, this is just totally fine. And this is normal life. And this is, I'm always hosting, you know, a dinner party for 17. And I'm always, you know, my house is always decorated like this and my, it's always clean, but it's, you know, we do that to ourselves. We, we create those expectations. And I think, um, when we are under stress and under pressure and feeling as if, we're going to um, somehow let somebody down or somehow make a mistake, then it exacerbates those problems that we already had with food and with drinking and with, you know, those are our vices. That's what makes us feel comfortable, right? We find, that's why it's called comfort food. That's literally, it makes you feel better because it brings you this sort of uh, joy that can't be felt any other way because you're, you've sort of associated that with safety, right? You've associated that food with safety. And so when we're putting all this pressure on ourselves, we don't have the control that we need or the self-control or the mindfulness or awareness or presence of mind to make good choices when it comes to food. Cause yeah, like you said, you know, one cookie, right? That's cool. But one cookie, at everybody's house or at everybody's gathering or whatever for six weeks in a row is not okay necessarily. And we need to be making different choices. Um, but I think a lot of it is just about who, what do we want to really, who are we authentically, right? Go, just going back to the same thing we were talking about, right? Like, am I somebody who is perfect? Nope. Is that okay? Yes. Are my friends and my family going to see me and value me and love me anyway? Yep. They sure are. Right. And so when we can just remember that, like, oh, hey, I actually have a loving family. I actually have 
um, a really healthy relationship with my kids. I actually have um, choices that I can make. And if I want to split this cookie or have one here or, you know, make sure that I'm eating something healthy, uh, you know, or drinking a lot of water in between cocktails or whatever, right? Like I can make those choices. Um, but I have to decide intentionally ahead of time who I'm going to let myself, who's going to run this strategy tonight, which what part of me is going to run this holiday party? Is it going to be my present self today? Or is it going to be my stressed out, anxiety ridden, you know, uh, panic mom who's running that strategy? Because I've got both, right? I can, any one of them can come up at any time. So we have to be really mindful of what we're trying to accomplish in our own lives and where we are in our own lives as individuals first. I love that. I'm going to tell you a little story. So last year I had a Christmas party. This year I won't be having one. That's sad. But last year I had a Christmas party and Jenny might remember this. And I was home, you know, at my house hosting, hostessing. So I wasn't driving anywhere. So I enjoyed a couple of drinkies. And for those of you who know me well, then three of you do, I, when I love my friends, I tell them. So I am not afraid to say I love you. If I love you, you're going to hear it from me. And so I'm a few drinkies deep and I'm saying goodbye to some friends and, you know, I'm kiss hog. I love you. And then this older man who is a client of ours was next in line. Bye. I love you. Same thing. And then I looked up and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I was so embarrassed that I had said that to him. Not that he doesn't deserve love, but it's a little bit different than when I'm with my girlfriends and I'm like, bye, I love you. Did the same thing to him. I was so mortified. I told Jenny the next day, I'm like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess what happened. And for like, so it's not that bad. Like there's worse. Like, okay, my clothes didn't come off. I didn't break down crying or scream weird at anyone, right? Like it could have been worse. But I was so mortified and it, it like screwed me up for days, for yeah. days. I was beating myself up about it. So what happens when somebody has an incident like that and maybe it is worse, maybe their clothes came off and some stuff, other stuff happened that might be a little more mortifying than hugging and kissing some old man and telling him you love him. Um, <laughs> so bring me through like, what was the self-talk that I could have been having that could have helped me out a little bit more in that moment or those days following. I mean, the best, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. There's definitely worse, you know, you could have, you know, been streaking in your neighborhood or something like that, right? There's always, there's always that option. But, um, but I think the best thing is just that it's a memory, right? Like that it's over and that it's not still happening. That's the only thing that we can really um, reconcile is like, okay, what part of me is so frustrated or upset or embarrassed that this happened? And then kind of running yourself through that, like, okay, is this really like, so, okay, that happened, right? This client, let's play it all the way through. So I like to play things all the way through. So, okay, so this client um, thinks that I'm a crazy person, right? Okay, let's go Hopefully. with that. Well, then it's, okay, then what? Okay, well, you know, maybe I'm going to lose his business. Okay, then what? Well, if I lose his business, maybe he'll tell all his friends that they, about me or something. Okay, then what? Well, if he tells all his friends, then, you know, another handful of people are going to lose business. Maybe he'll gain some other okay. ones. Right? Yeah, right? So, I mean, if you really just play that all the way through, at the end of the line, you've got, 
well, I maybe lost a couple of clients, but I have a funny story to tell. And so what, right? So you can always say, or if it's worse, let's take something way worse, right? Like maybe you are streaking and you get arrested or something. Like, <laughs> okay, well then that's a mistake, right? Like that's yikes, we've got consequences. And so we address those consequences, but then we kind of say, what does that say about me? Because I think, what is the self-talk usually? It's, I'm so stupid, I da-da-da, right? Like, it's you're telling yourself, you said you beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. So what, what's the benefit of that? A lot of times I ask, what's the benefit of that? But in some way, your system is trying to regulate yourself, right? So if you know, generally, it's about control. If I know that it was my fault and I'm beating myself up and I know that, you know, I'm basically the benefit in my mind is that, well, if I beat myself up, I'll, it'll be painful enough that I won't make that same mistake again. But is that true? Do you have to beat yourself up in order not to make that mistake again? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. So then can we kind of tell that strategy, like tell that voice, that inner critic, like, Hey, you know what? I can make better choices without this language towards myself. I can make better choices while loving myself at the same time. So I can actually kind of have compassion for that. Like, thank you for trying to teach me a lesson, inner critic, because that's what you're trying to, right? Like I can be appreciative of that, but at the same time, remind myself and my whole self that, you know, I don't need to beat myself up to know that I made a poor decision and I can actually just let that part go. And then you're more ready to deal with the consequences, whatever those might be, right? If maybe you have to do some PR, maybe some damage control, right? Like maybe, maybe you need to pay some fines or get a lawyer or whatever. I don't know. But whatever that might be, that voice is certainly not serving you. And so to recognize why it's happening, what it's there to do, what's the benefit, even though logically it's not a benefit, it's a systematic benefit. It's my own way of regulating myself of regulating my regret. I don't want to feel regret. So I'd rather feel angry with myself. Mm -hmm. Anger is a little bit more acceptable in most of our systems. We can feel that a little easier. Right, right. No, I totally agree and understand. And, and I feel like the more I thought in that direction, the more things popped up for me to think like that. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's yes. like not just that one incident that kept me there. Yeah, absolutely. Because the reality of that present situation was that, you know, the consequences of that really aren't that big, right? Mm -hmm. But when it piles on to this whole network of other experiences that are triggering, well, now it's everything. It's not just one thing, it's everything, right? And so all of those other things are still historic things, they're memories. So just reminding yourself like, hey, those are actually, those are memories and they're over. And it's not impacting my world today. I've already addressed those. I have the skills. I have the tools to make different choices. Oh, so I made a mistake. Okay. Right? Like, I accept that. Now let me handle it and be present and not let this mistake be a compounding, like land on the pile of all the other mistakes, right? Right. Otherwise, you know, it's pickup sticks. You've got this pile of pickup sticks that are all these things that are connected, but they're not really. And so we've got to sort of sort those out and say, okay, well, this thing is just this one thing. Let me just deal with that. 
and then all the rest of it, that's where that strategy came from in the first place, right? That's how you probably got through those old things was, mm -hmm. you know, I'm so stupid. I should have never done that. Like I need to be better. I, you know, whatever negative things you're telling yourself was probably the strategy that you used at that time. Mm -hmm. but it turns out that you have more tools today. You don't have to use that strategy again. You can use something different. I love that. That doesn't mean I'm going to go out and no. attempt to make those good stories, but it's, if it does happen, then that feels a little bit more comfortable than the alternative. Yeah. And anything, I think I ruminate sometimes on conversations. Do you guys ever have that happen where your family's in town or something like that? And you say something that you regret or yeah. And then later on, you're like, oh, why did I say that thing in front of Aunt Bonnie? Like, now I'm going to be this, you know, whatever, right? And you kind of ruminate. Do you guys feel that, like, you do that? A ton. I yeah. do that all the time. Yeah, but it's like, what purpose does that serve? I know for me, that's one of the biggest things in the holidays is, like, that ruminating. We're either future tripping, like, what are we going to do wrong in the next, you know, 10 days? Or we're ruminating on, what did we already do wrong that we can sort of sit in for a minute, mm -hmm. but we're not anywhere in the present in those situations, right? Like you're either in the future or you're in the past. And so the ruminating, it's kind of the same thing. Like if I had to, you know, the last time you were doing that, thinking about this conversation that you had and regretting your words, what's the benefit of replaying that story over and over and over? Right. Right. Well, like how do your system, how's that benefiting your system? Do you think? And you can't change it. It's in the past. Exactly. It's over. And then also I feel like it contributes to future downfalls because you're so fixated on what you did wrong. You're not trying to focus on fixing it or not letting it happen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do you think like, so that kind of is like that hypervigilance when we feel amped up, like, okay, let me just be ready for anything, right? Like, let me just let me make sure that I have this and I have this and I have this and I have a backup plan for my backup plan and another plan. And I've got, I've, you know, I've, I've got everything covered except for the fact that I'm not wearing any shoes and you know, I forgot to go buy the Turkey or whatever. Right. Because I was so fixated on all these possible scenarios that could go wrong. I actually didn't have the capacity to just handle my daily life. Laura, you weren't supposed to tell my story. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's everybody's story. Yeah. Was there a story there or do we get to hear it or? <laughs> so that's a good transition into the next thing that I feel um, certainly makes me a bit anxious and it depends on the group. Um, but now we have to hang out with family. Yeah, we and some people get really freaked out about that. Like maybe they have, you know, the overbearing parents that they're like, okay, she's going to like, do you guys watch this is us at all? Yes. Yeah. So, so like the mother of, you know, Becca's mother, she's like, everything is wrong and Becca cooks wrong and her kids are wrong and everything is wrong, wrong. Um, you know, like, those things, or maybe there are topics of conversation that you have anxiety over having. Like maybe you sit the opposite fence of some family members, you know, politically. And you're like, oh my gosh, is that going to come up? Because I know Uncle Joe, you know, talks about his opinions all the time. So 
first of all, have any of you, like, do you have that anxiety? I do a little bit, not so much anymore because I'm really far away from most family. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, um, I can remember a couple of times, uh, specifically, you know, when I was young and my own mom, right? I was mm -hmm. like, you know, everything I do is wrong. My mom is so perfect. And I sort of had this impression that my mom was just going to judge every single thing I did and, and completely, uh, you know, hate, never accept really what I was trying to contribute. And that's really what it was about is that she's not going to accept me. And um, I can remember a few times, like a few ex-boyfriends ago, right? Like I've had where their moms, you know, would say something to me or whatever, right? You know, that little passive aggressive comment. And then I would feel really bad about myself, you know, trying to please everybody. Um, I don't know, Sherry, what about you? I feel like everybody has to have an experience like this. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that one of the most memorable was transitioning to having a girlfriend and then a wife. Um, like those holidays were a little bit weird. Right. And I think some of it was my own personal, like they're going to jot, they're going to say like, Oh, I don't want to deal with this. Plus you have your kids around. Like you definitely don't want to deal with this. Um, but I mean, now the people that we keep in company or just being military, we're not like close to family. Um, but those that we do spend the holidays with, I mean, I just feel like we've definitely done a good job of surrounding ourselves with the people that matter, you know, and the people that we actually care about them and their opinions um, and they accept us and our family. So I think that, that was the hardest part. And you know all about that, Laura and Katie and Jenny. Um, just transitioning to that mindset of, hey, just because you're blood, just because your family doesn't mean that I need to deal with the toxicity or the anxiety that comes with it. If I cut it out, like life's a lot better. Yeah. Turns out you can choose, right? It turns out you can curate your family and decide who you want to spend time with. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean don't send out your Christmas cards or whatever, but you definitely don't have to commit hours of your life. Um, you know, but the other thing I noticed, like, is why do we let that bother us so much? We can still, when it's unavoidable, let's say, um, a lot of people live close with their family right now, or, you know, a lot of people are even, gosh, have their parents living with them or they're helping them or whatever. Those are unavoidable situations. But I think what we forget and what I used to forget is, hey, um, I'm a grown up. And I don't need my mom's approval to be successful, right? So those are survival strategies, seeking that approval, seeking that validation is a survival strategy because when you were six years old, you did need your mom's approval to survive. That was true. And so your system is running a childhood strategy, which is if my house isn't perfect, or if my kids don't present perfectly, or if I don't do the right thing or say the right thing at the right time, or if I make food that somebody doesn't like, well, then I'm going to get kicked out of the tribe, right? Because when you're a kid, that's true. We as kids, I think I've said this before, kids only purpose, like their system is designed to regulate their parents' affect. That's all they do all day, every day. 
They're designed that way. We don't let those strategies go as adults until we recognize that they're happening and we choose to let them go. So those, that strategy of a six-year-old trying to make my mom happy or whatever is actually not serving me today, right? Because I just want to be my own person and it's okay that I made pecan pie instead of pumpkin pie, right? And so to really stop yourself and say, hmm, do I need that? Is that going to be, is it okay if she doesn't really like the pie that I made? Could I probably grub hub her some takeout if that's really what she's into? And then we could still have an enjoyable evening. Probably. Right? So it's really just mindfulness of the present moment. Because most of the time that anxiety, that's our six-year-old self full of anxiety, not, you know, our 35-year-old self full of anxiety. Right? So anytime we feel that pressure, try to notice like, where's this coming? How old is this? Right? How old is this strategy? Is this from when I was nine? Sometimes, do you ever feel like when you're in a situation that you're stressed about, do you ever notice that you feel like a kid? Does that ever often. happen to you guys? Yeah, often. often. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's or like really you're going to get happens. in trouble. Yeah, yeah like you're going to you like, get in you know, like, how old do you feel right now? Well, if you feel anything other than what your age is, then you're running a strategy that's not going to support what you're trying to accomplish right now. And so we really have to be like, oh, okay, I'm not, not 16, not going to get in trouble, right? Not going to disappoint anybody. Like, it's okay. It's okay if somebody doesn't like what I did. Doesn't matter. I think that's really, really hard for people and also not only difficult to overcome and retrain yourself, but you got to first know that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's like, the hard part, right? Huge first step. But I think that's why counseling is so important and talking to somebody outside of like your regular crew, right? I can talk to Katie and Jenny all day and you as a non-counselor and be like, hey, these are my life problems. But at the end of the day, if I'm not able to sit down with somebody that's actually going to call me on my shit or tell me to think about things differently and to change my mindset because it's wrong, we're, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to keep that vicious cycle up. And I'm not going to lie. Like Laura knows, I definitely was the person who was like, no, I'm not going to go to counseling. But also recognizing that it was taboo. Like when I was little, mm -hmm. I remember they were like, oh, if you go to the counselor, that, that's bad. It's terrible. You know, like we don't do that in our family. And that was said. And so I think that I just shut that down because it was this belief that I thought I had to have and carry on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that counseling is super important. And I think that Laura, I will stand by her to the day I die. Like she is an amazing woman to talk to powerhouse. You know, she's gone through a lot of her own things. And so I make, I think that makes it even more comfortable to speak to her as well. Right. And she's not judging you. Like she's had life too. And, and it makes her more credible also when she's telling you and calling you on your shit. Well, yeah. I, I love you so much, Sherry. You're my favorite. I, um, Certainly the same, I'm just like everyone else, right? Like, I'm just like my clients. My clients are just like me. We're just like them. They're just like us. That's like, that's my new thing that I'm on right now is we're just like them. They're just like us. 
whoever mm -hmm. the them is and whoever the thus is, the us is to you, you're just like them and they're just like us. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we all are going through the same thing. Like I need therapy. I have a counselor that I mm -hmm. see all the time that I make sure I have a standing appointment because I need to run my right strategies too. It's easy for me to sit here and objectively look at someone else's situation and be like, oh, okay, I can see this from this angle, but I can't see my own stuff from that angle. I'm in no way capable of objectively looking at my own life and self and making perfect decisions all the time. It's just not life. It's not. Exactly. Exactly. I won't sell my own house. Right. <laughs> no. That's a good point. Yeah. I won't do as good a job as somebody that's not emotionally involved in it. Absolutely. That's so. such a perfect analogy. Mm -hmm. I have to take a step back. Like my kids, I'm not counseling my kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And you guys know, I think I've shared, my kids have struggled with, you know, their own mental health issues and their own trauma and they see counselors and they get treatment because they need somebody to objectively look at them and they need a safe space because I'm not necessarily their safe space, right? Mm -hmm. I'm their mom. I don't have that role. So let's just say we're at a gathering, okay? And we've taken care of mom, she's good, we're not running the same patterns anymore, but Joe, mm. Joe and his politics. Yikes. I tell you. Joe is all about his politics and he doesn't wanna hear anything else and everybody else is dumb. So my knee jerk reaction would be, we just avoid Joe, just avoid Joe. But that might not always be the best way of handling it depending on the circumstance or that might not always be possible. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways that we can avoid Joe without physically avoiding Joe? That's a really good one right now, especially, I mean, there's so much conflict right now amongst people. People are so, um, emotionally charged with their feelings about the way the world is right now. There are so many things. Um, I, the biggest, the biggest thing that I would say is probably the most important thing is just to recognize why am I engaging in this conversation? Why do I need to prove Joe wrong? Right? Why do I, why is it so upsetting to me that Joe believes this stuff? Because if I play that all the way out, the reality is Joe's opinion is okay to be his opinion. And for me to say, you know what, Joe, cool. Like I'm gonna live and let live. Like you do you, I'm gonna do me. And so maybe I'm gonna go play some cards with Aunt Bonnie in another room or whatever. Um, but really just recognizing, are you fighting to regulate yourself? right? Are you engaging in this conversation? Like, what's the goal? Is the goal for you and Joe to agree? Because then maybe your goal is unrealistic. Um, or is your goal for you to get through the evening and, and feel, you know, settled and, and at least peaceful? Because if peace is your goal, then letting Joe believe what he believes and distancing yourself from the conversation by kind of saying, you know, I respect you and I respect your opinions. And I appreciate that you want to share those, but I'm cool. I'm just going to, you know, I feel like we disagree and that's okay. Let me just not 
be a part of that fight. We don't have to fight every fight. A lot of times we fight because we're trying to regulate our own discomfort. But the outside, sometimes we try to control the outside because we don't feel comfortable on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the outside doesn't dictate the inside. We've got to feel comfortable from the inside out. It's the other way around, right? Like our outer selves should mirror our inner selves versus if you control the outer environment to try to regulate what's inside, you're not going to be effective because guess what? You can't control anything on anything. the outside. No. Anything. And, and why, like, why do we feel, and maybe this is a, I mean, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, shoot, we only have nine minutes and I want to <laughs> ask her this question. And I'm, I know it could be a 20 minute conversation, but why do we feel the need, whether it be uncle Joe's need or our need to get agreement with somebody else, whether they be a family member or a friend or the general public. Mm -hmm. Like, why is that? Or, or is it just me? Like, cause I gotta feel like that sometime. I'm like, you know, that's not really the way it is. You should think differently. Yeah. Who, who am I to right. say that? Yeah. I, that's, I think that's valid. I try to get an agreement, right? Like I want to agree. I want to land in the same place. I want to walk away from the conversation being like, okay, we're a little bit closer. We were, you know, partners and we're ready to go. But that's not the reality. I think the agreement, we want to be comfortable. It all goes back to that inner uncomfortable um, feeling of sort of dysregulation. If we have you ever had, you're a boss, right? We're all kind of bosses here. So we've had those conversations where it's a tough conversation, mm -hmm. an accountability conversation. Have you ever had to sit somebody down and be like, look, this is not acceptable behavior, whether it's your kids or your employee or your coworker or whatever, but to have a conflict conversation, it's hard. what do we try to do? Avoid. Avoid. And we try to like get that person to like feel good somehow at the end and which effect yeah because if they feel good then that means i am a good communicator and i didn't do anything wrong and that i didn't hurt anybody and that i feel i feel good when they feel good but that doesn't matter like it, you can't make somebody feel good sometimes sometimes just um acknowledging like look this doesn't feel good that we're not on the same page and that's okay. It's the comfort. It's that feeling of validation. It's that feeling of like, everything's okay. But the truth is everything is okay. Even if everyone doesn't agree, but it, that's hard. It is say. hard. It, it, it is hard. And it, and I think that it's hard to practice. It, it's hard to say and even, even hard to practice. Um, so let's just say Joe is not cool and he's coming at you. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you can avoid conflict and just, I mean, is it just straight up removing yourself? I mean, obviously that's a way. Obviously that's a way. I mean, I think, so when I, when I hear you say like coming at you, I'm like, okay, are you in danger? Right? Like that's <laughs> where I go to. Are you safe? So make sure you're safe. And then if it's just a conflict conversation, the best way to deescalate is to just listen and not say words. Okay. Like, Hey, you know, um, thanks Joe for sharing. I'm, I don't have any more to say. 
I think it's because we want to defend our position and we want to be able to hopefully um, unskew in valid information, whatever that might be. Maybe it's their opinion. It's not unskewed and it's a hundred percent valid, but for us, maybe we feel opposite. And so we want to go into that persuasion and like correcting them, but that's not always true. Not everyone's going to share those same beliefs. So I think it's hard to bite your tongue or be like, yeah, I understand Joe, you have these ideas, but we want to have like a last word. Mm -hmm. And that's where that continued conflict I think comes. Right. Right. For sure. We want to feel like we've said what we need to say. Because everybody has the right to their words, right? But mm-hmm. then it's going back, okay, what's the goal here? Do I want right. to stop this conversation or do I want to prolong this conversation? Right. So, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I love what you said before because I'm going to practice this. Maybe thinking in your head, okay, if Joe agrees with me, okay, what after that? Like, then what happens? Oh, business as usual, life as normal. We don't see Joe till next Christmas. If Joe doesn't agree with me, then what happens? Well, business as usual. We don't see Joe till next year. It doesn't matter. So yeah. would you rather have that, that fight and feel those unsettled feelings and all of that to get to the same conclusion? Mm-hmm. Right? Am I thinking right? Anything. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's where your actions sometimes are inconsistent with your goals, right? That fight, that last word, that I need to, I need to tell Joe how I really feel like there's no outcome that is going to achieve your goal. If you do that, if you go down that road of like making sure that your voice is known, you know, and if you are still, you know, bottled up later and you just need to get it out, like that you were so offended by what Joe had to say and you really needed to defend yourself, go ahead and write Joe a letter when you get home. Go ahead and write him a letter. Let all that out. Say what you need to say. Bullet point it. Format it. Make it like what it needs to be so that you can feel like you've expressed yourself. Right. Like make that. That's the best letter you're ever going to write. And then let it go. Because the truth is it doesn't matter what Joe thinks. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does not matter what Joe thinks. You, If you need the validation, you're probably running a strategy that is based in some type of childhood need to be accepted by their tribe. Yeah. But that's tr- giant. You're, you're fine. You're going to make it on your own. You're good. You don't Joe, need that. Joe doesn't pay the bills Joe and he's bills. not in your life every day. So yeah. yeah. Reminds me of the Laverne and Shirley song. You're going to do it. Give us any chance. We'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. So we have a lot more to talk about with you, Laura, which means we're going to have to have you back on the show. I totally love you. I love your perspective. Like Sherry says, so down to earth. You're so easy to talk to. Um, and I just really appreciate you spending some time with us today. So thank you so much, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. You ladies are the best. This whole group, I love everything about it. I'm excited. I love to be a part of this stuff and help everybody and hopefully give a little bit of peace to some moms who are about to, you know, hit the holiday whirlwind that, you know, is often really just too much stress, more stress than it's worth. It really, truly is. I totally feel you. So hopefully everybody's holidays are merry and bright. And hopefully this was helpful to you all. I know it was to me. I'm sure it was to Sherry also. And then Sherry, what do we want everybody to do? 
to follow us and subscribe. We prefer um, iTunes, but if you have an Android, there's some other stuff out there for you guys. Jenny will tell Google, us later in the comments. Google Podcast, I think. Yeah, I think it's that. Um, but download the, uh, the podcast videos as well. That'll keep you in tune with what's upcoming, but also help us get this word out to all the other mamas out there that are in need. Yes. The real news to the real people. All right, ladies. It's been fun. Have good holidays. All right. You too. Bye. 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 Moms with aspiration. Moms are inspirations. Moms in circulation. Moms at their workstations. Bump, 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 bump. They make a nation. Bump, this is a mom nation.